Welcome back to the Land Development Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Glick. And if this is your first time joining us, uh, the show is dedicated to having industry experts on to just talk shop, dig into some of their background, and uh, yeah, just provide value to you around things that are going on in the industry. So today, I'm excited to have on the show the president of People's Company, Steve Brewer. Steve, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for including me. Yeah, for sure. And so where I want to start is before we get into your background individually and how you got into the industry, um, I first want to start with more of a background of People's Company and really what what People's Company does and really what market People's Company serves. Yeah, so People's Company actually celebrated its 50th anniversary last year. Um, we started out actually in the 1960s as the farm management department for People's Bank in Indianola. And during a bank merger in 1972, we were spun out of the bank and incorporated as People's Company. And so a lot of people think I started it, but I actually uh, came on board about 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, we primarily served Central Iowa from the from the 70s to 2002. Uh, uh, Bob Fridley worked here and Bob sold farms and Dick Davitt uh, managed farms for People's Company. And then they sold the business in 2002. And uh, my my real estate professor at the University of Northern Iowa, uh, Dr. Cox, a lot of a lot of the real estate folks in in Central Iowa would know Dr. Cox and have gone through his program. Um, his neighbor actually bought People's Company in 2002 when Bob and Dick sold the sold the firm. And I'd gotten my real estate license while I was in college and um, got an opportunity to, to come to work for People's at that time. And I, I'm going out of order on you here because you want to talk People's first. No, they, it's it's interesting. Yeah, they all kind of tie together. So anyhow, um, I came on board in 2003 and and uh, I got I got started and kind of realized the, the guys that bought it weren't real interested in running the business. And so about six months in, they turned the keys over to me and and uh, I had an opportunity to start, you know, ramrodding things around and, and growing it. And, you know, I started to recognize, um, it, you know, the the technology was actually starting to impact the real estate business in that 2003 period. Um, you know, when, when I first started putting farms on the market, you'd have to drive to the county assessor office. You'd have to drive to the county FSA office and NRCS office. You didn't have online assessor websites. You didn't have Google Earth. You didn't have drones uh, to poise, pull soil maps on farms. You had to use color pencils and do your own weighted averages and whatnot. And so, um, anyhow, as as I got ramped up in the business, we started to see more technology coming in and and I started to realize that it was going to get more competitive. And that whole notion of serving just a few counties, uh, the county seat real estate company concept was going to change. And so that's when we started expanding our licensing outside of Iowa. And so today, People's Company um, has real estate licenses in 30 states. Uh, we've got offices, I think, now in 14 states. And we've um, been pretty strategic about where we've opened up offices. So we studied a lot of the USDA data and... Um, a, a group called NACREF, that's the National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries. They have an agricultural side where uh, the major asset managers that are in the farmland space report to, to NACREF. And when you really start to look at farmland transactions, you need to be in the Midwest, you need to be in California, you need to be in the Pacific Northwest, Lake States, and then down in the Mississippi Delta. That's where um, the majority of the farmland transactions happen. So we started getting our, our uh, brokerage license in those states and um, adding boots on the ground in those states. And so we've got an office in Michigan that serves the lake states. 
an office up in Walla Walla, Washington that serves the Pacific Northwest, an office out in California that serves that market in Arizona, um, several offices now throughout the Midwest, and then uh, three offices in the Mississippi Delta. And everything we do, it involves farmland for the most part. Okay. And so, you know, and, and when you're involved with land, you get involved with everything, as you know, whether it's recreational properties or land development or data centers or whatever it may be. Uh, but the the core uh, business is our brokerage and auction business. Uh, we'll handle almost a billion dollars now of farmland transactions on an annual basis. Um, our management business, we're managing farms in 24 states, uh, which is really fascinating. You know, I grew up on a, on a farm here in Iowa and corn and soybeans. And so when you get into, you know, rice and cotton and, and uh, pistachios and wine grapes and almonds, and there's just a lot of diversity out there that you don't think about in Iowa. And then our appraisal business has um, uh, really grown into significant uh, uh, appraisal firm. Uh, we do a lot of work for, you know, Farmer Mac and large law firms, trust departments, those NACREF members I talk about, they've got to report their annual financial performance of their assets. We'll get uh, contracts to, to appraise their portfolios. And that appraisal business is just a great business because it gives you such market insight into, you know, who's doing what and why they're doing it and who's getting divorced or who's got a financial issue or whatever it may be. And so you get to see a lot of things on that appraisal side. Um, we have also got a small crop insurance business and and farmland. It's uh, one of the only asset classes I know of where you can insure your annual revenue. So if you're a farmer, you can go out and buy crop insurance and yield times price and you can insure uh, different levels of, uh, of income protection there. And that's core to how we underwrite assets for our clients. And so that crop insurance business is, is a big part of how we look at how farms perform around the country. That's part of our underwriting process. And then we've got a energy management group um, um, that we've done some unique things with. We manage oil and gas interest for nonprofits, trusts, foundations, and then uh, over the last couple of years, there's a lot of new solar, wind, uh, carbon projects out there. And so that energy management group tackles all things kind of energy related. And then where I spend a lot of my time now is our capital markets group. Uh, we work with a lot of folks that want to put money into farmland, uh, but don't have the acquisition experience or the um, deal flow or the ability to manage it or diligence it. Uh, so folks will come to us and we'll go uh, acquire farmland for them around the country and, and manage those assets going forward. So um, anyhow, that's that's people's company in a nutshell. Yeah, know that you're involved in a lot of things uh, in that industry. And so when when people come to you looking to buy farmland, are they looking to buy it from a standpoint of as an investment that they then lease back to the farmer? Or is it like what's their what's their role in the process? They're looking to invest in farmland. I guess what is that what does that mean? Is yeah, it takes all different shapes and sizes. Okay. So, you know, a lot of groups will come to us with a preconceived thesis on why they want to buy farmland. And some people, it'll be, you know, they, they want to grow organic this or that. And so then all of a sudden we're educating them on, you know, farming organically and looking for organic assets. But more often than not, uh, farmland as an investment is is one of the greatest uh, investments out there. And when you when you study the financial performance of farmland, it's it's non correlated with public equities, and then it's completely positively correlated with inflation. And so, 
Um, you know, folks that were worried about inflation, you know, putting your money into farmland is a great inflation hedge. And it's a great diversifier if you've got a big chunk of your net worth in, in equities and, and it's not correlated with equities. It's a great diversifier there. So um, when you look at Iowa, so for instance, uh, farmland in Iowa over the last 20 years has averaged 7% appreciation annually. Hmm. It's a lot of a lot of people look at the annual cash yield or the, you know, your cap rates, you know, in two and a half to three on farmland. And they're like, Oh, that, you know, that's not very exciting. I can buy a Walgreens or this or that. Uh, but the appreciation in farmland is real. I mean, you've got uh, real advances in genetics and farming practices and yields are growing. And so, you know, I, I, I know the cash yield looks low on the surface, but I used to joke around that anybody I sold a farm to, I offered a money back guarantee because nobody wants their money back. After, <laughs> once you understand how yeah. farmland performs, it's a, it's a great investment. Okay. I have very little knowledge in that space. So that's why this is really interesting to me. I don't, uh, haven't really been involved in it, but I, I, I guess knew that people's company was involved in it. I didn't know you were involved in all those different areas. So, um, really interesting. And then with your background, so, I was one of those people who thought that you started People's Company <laughs> without doing any research or looking. It was just kind of in my brain that Steve Brewer started this. Um, but yeah, looking into it and seeing where the company started and kind of how it came up and everything, um, I realized that before we came into this conversation. But uh, w- with your background, I guess, what are the things, so is the capital markets, are the is that the area that you're, I guess, most excited about currently and the, the things that you really... Uh, that drives you and gets you to to come in here or what's the area of the business that really uh, gets you motivated to keep, keep coming in? You know, it's uh, that's a great question. I I'm, I'm really involved in, in all parts of the business. So I'm, I'm involved with the appraisal team and the management team. And, you know, the thing about the capital markets group is, um, that grows your AUM. So once you once you get that capital in, you're managing those assets on an ongoing basis, and and you know that that's exciting. You know the brokerage side, it's one and done. So it's kind of you got to go whale hunting every day. Whereas once you get that capital landed, you you manage those assets kind of permanently. And so uh, for me, that's probably the highest value opportunity for people's companies. So that's that's why I get excited about it. But um, I just love land. And um, you know, last week I was in Chico, California. California. I'd never been to Chico, California. And, and, uh, you know, I, I fall in love with these places, you know, you get out there and you're like, God, this is place is beautiful. And, you know, um, it's fun to just be able to travel the country and see different agricultural regions and different farming practices and different crops. And, um, I just, I just like farmland. Yeah. So when you're making, when you're traveling around like that, are you, are you traveling around, uh, meeting with people about deals that you might be working on, or are you kind of going out there looking for deals or how, what is the, what, what, what's kind of involved in the the traveling? You know, it's all of it. So and okay. I, I try to, you know, bunch a bunch of things yeah. when you're doing it. So the, um, you know, that Chico trip, we were meeting with a large uh, family that has a, a large almond, um, packing facility and, and farming operation. And while we were out there, um, you know, jumped up to Oregon and, um, you know, looked at a couple of vineyards we've, and then went over to the Walla Walla office and spent some time with our guys in the California office. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's looking at new assets. It's looking at current assets. It's, um, working with our team and, uh, uh the guys asked me to hit that meeting. So just went out yeah. and, and, uh, helped out. Okay. Nice. Um, when you look back at the, when you got started in this, uh, in the industry, so you, you know, you went to UNI and did you say you went to UNI for real estate or? 
Was that a part of your degree there? It, it was. And I, I actually got a marketing degree okay. and then got my real estate license while I was in college. But um, I I went to the Row Epsilon. That's the real estate club's meetings. And uh, so a lot of people think I went through the real estate program. Uh, I'm on the advisory board for the UNI real estate program now. So a lot of people connect me to the, okay. the UNI real estate program, but I actually got the easier marketing degree. Gotcha. So I guess my, my question then is, as you, you know, something that's really important for people getting into a, like, I guess, getting started with their career. And then over the years, as you've been doing what you've been doing, um, how, how has like, mentoring or mentorship from somebody else played a role in your particular career? Have there been people along the way that you've been able to bounce ideas off of and and help you from, you know, just, just getting into real estate and then also like actually, you know, scaling a company, like what you've done with people's company? For sure. So when I got started, Bob Fridley was the original uh, guy that I uh, was working at people's company and he was 70 years old when I started and and they just sold the business and continued to work here after they sold the business. And I used to joke around. Um, I didn't know what I was doing and Bob didn't know how to turn on a computer. And so we, <laughs> we helped each other out. And so uh, Bob was instrumental in helping me learn, learn the the farmland business. And, and uh, so forever thankful for that. And then Randy Luz um, was the neighbor of my real estate professor. I mentioned who acquired the firm and, uh, Randy was in banking his entire career and, and, uh, he's been a great mentor and friend and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say, um, you, you know, as we've acquired firms through the years, um, the real estate industry has a lot of seasoned folks that have been in the business for a long time. And a lot of times when they want to exit the business, it's a, it's a one man operation. And, you know, we, we call those guys Rambo around here because it's <laughs> like they, they've, they've built these businesses and work them themselves. And then when it's time to exit, they've built up this great business, but there's, there's nothing to sell because they want to retire. And, and so what we've found is we're able to bring young people in and do exactly what I did with Bob Fridley, which is bring a young person in, bring some energy and some enthusiasm in, um, and get them some mentorship with some of the, the older folks that are trying to exit. And, um, it, it really works really well. So that's, that's largely how we've scaled the business up. Nice. I always like to ask that question because for me personally, like mentorship has been a, I mean, it's been a big thing for me, um, even to this day of just in all just different areas of, of my business, of getting that feedback from people and being able to bounce ideas off of someone who's been there, done that, uh, run into certain problems. I mean, we make plenty of mistakes <laughs> regardless of the mentoring that we can learn from and everything. But yeah, that mentoring definitely, uh, has helped. So I was just curious how, how that played a role in, in your career so far. Um, one thing I want to jump to now is, uh, so people's company, and I think specifically you started the, uh, land investment expo back in 2008, I believe it was. And so that's been going on now for going on its 17th year, which this episode will be releasing in, uh, December of 2023. So it will be, uh, I guess just two, three weeks after this episode airs is when the next, uh, Land Investment Expo will take place in Des Moines, Iowa. So I'm just curious, what uh, what gave you the idea for the event? And then I'd like to also get into kind of how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, the um, 
the idea came out. I was at a conference in Joliet, Illinois, called the Chicago Farmers Investment Fair, and it was my first year in the real estate business. And I actually went over with my my parents and. My mom on the way home said, gosh, why doesn't somebody have a land event in Iowa? And I'm like, God, you know, it's a great idea. And so um, I rented rented the West Des Moines Marriott and hired Ken Root, who was a, a WHO big show uh, radio personality to MC it. And, you know, just started started putting it together and you know that first year was pretty rough we um we were selling tickets for 35 bucks a piece and you know i was i was giving tickets away just to try to get people in the room to make it feel like it was a legitimate event but what ended up happening is we had about 350 people show up to the first one and um got lucky on a couple keynote speakers and and uh Des Moines Register covered it and the business record covered it and Iowa Farmer Today covered it. And, and I'm like, gosh, we're on to something. And, and so anyhow, um, you know, scheduled it again the next year and it got a little bigger and a little better audience and, and, uh, um, got three or four years into it. And, and, uh, it was originally called the Iowa Land Investment Expo. And so we dropped Iowa and just called it the Land Investment Expo and started getting, uh, folks from all around the country coming into it and, and even internationally. And, and so, uh, yeah, this year will be our 17th year. And, uh, you know, last year we had 1200 people in person and four, 400, I think online. And, you know, we're, we're really, focused on improving the caliber of the event every year. And, and so I think it was probably 2014, we brought Jim Rogers in, we followed Jim Rogers up with Boone Pickens. Um, and Boone was just kind of a legendary, um, you know, guy and, and we became friends, which is a whole nother story. Um, and then, uh, the year after that, we had Donald Trump in and I, I joke around, uh, we were Trump's last page speech before he, he announced he was running for president. <laughs> That's but, pretty cool. But, the, but, uh, Boone Pickens and Donald Trump really put the event on the map as well. And, and, uh, you know, since then we've had Martha Stewart and Kevin O'Leary and Anthony Scaramucci and General Kelly. And last year we had Jimmy John on the program and, um, it's, it's been, a um, just a really fun event to bring in different perspectives that, uh, people otherwise don't get to hear. And, and, you know, those speakers, we always have tried to find a way to tie them into agriculture or farmland or, uh, real estate in general. And, um, it's, it, you know, it's a great networking event and, uh, we, in addition to the main keynotes, then we bring in other thought leaders and breakout sessions and, and it's a, it's a real fun event. It's cornerstone to our marketing today. Yeah. Do you see that the keynote speakers play a big role in people that come or do you, now that you're so established with it, you kind of, once you announce the dates for the following year, people kind of put it on their calendar and they're going to come regardless, but maybe those keynotes will pick up a few, you know, some other people that may otherwise not come. Do you, do you see that? Or is it just, you want to make sure that you're, you're providing the, the, the product that you provide for the event is as top notch as possible. Yeah. It's, we struggle with it every year because folks usually will say, you know, Hey, my least favorite speaker was the big, you know, the big name they like. So we, we try to bring in just super high quality yeah. um, speakers in addition to the big name and more often than not folks like the, the other speakers and, um, we try to bring in, you know, thought provoking, even controversial speakers. You know, we can all go to the events where it's rah, rah, rah. And, you know, I always figure if half the room's offended at any given time. <laughs> and and as long as you're equally opportunity, opportunistic about offending people, you know, that's what inspires great 
hallway debates and conversation. And and I think more than anything, that's what people want to come back for is that, yeah. you know, you're just challenging how they think about things. And and so I remember uh, we had one of the, the fake meat guys in uh, a few years ago and he spoke over the lunch hour and lunch was sponsored by Farm Bureau. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a little, <laughs> you know, taboo, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to, once you've brought in those big names, there's an expectation of who you're going to bring in next year. And I'm trying to get away from that and really focus on just delivering world-class content to people every year. Yeah. And I suppose that comes through, like you said, all the breakout sessions that they can go into if they want to dig in deeper to a particular topic, you know, related to the industry and stuff. So yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, I've, I'm trying to think I've attended it I think I attended it virtually a couple of years ago for the first time. And yeah, I mean, I have to say during, during that year, it was, it was really interesting. I was able to, you know, listen in from, from home and and do, do some other things at the same time, just based on where I was at with kids and stuff and not being able to get down there in person. But, um, the next one, just when this is released, I'm not sure how, close to the event tickets continue to be sold. Are they still being sold all the way up to the event? Yeah, they will be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they're interested in learning more about it, whether they're in Iowa or somewhere else and they want to travel in, um, where would they go to learn more? Yeah, we've got a website set up called landinvestmentexpo.com or if they get on the People's Company website, they can link up to it from there as well. And we've got a we've got a really uh, exciting program this year as well. Uh, we, we've got two of the past Kansas City Fed presidents um, that are going to do a joint uh, panel together. And and uh, Tom Honig was one of those um, past presidents. And there's a new book that was just published about his career as a Fed president uh, called The Lords of Easy Money. And it's pretty timely given the environment we're in with inflation and interest rates. Uh, he served as the Kansas City Fed president under Paul Volcker in the 80s and then Alan Greenspan, and then uh, Ben Bernanke. And he actually has the most dissenting votes of any Fed president in history against Ben Bernanke's quantitative easing. And so we all know uh, where we've ended up because yep. of that. So uh, excited about having Tom on the program, and he'll be speaking with Esther George, who uh, um, preceded him um, as Fed president in Kansas City as well. Nice. So when when did the event kind of get, did it get to a point like one year where it all of a sudden was like, boom, it's, it's big. Was it those years you mentioned where you had kind of the back-to-back speakers with Trump and I forget the other name before Trump, but was that when it went from the venue, the first, you know, the first venue where you're having, you know, three, four, 500 people to where you're in the thousands now? Yeah, we, we originally had it at the West Des Moines Marriott a couple of years, outgrew that, moved to the, the Sheraton in West Des Moines. Uh, and outgrew that, and then after after Trump, um, that's when we moved. To, actually, we moved to uh, Prairie Meadows uh, for a couple of years in in Ankeny or Altoona, and then and then um, down to the events center. And um, once they built the Hilton downtown, that that kind of opened up downtown for us to to have the event down there. And and so yeah, I would say uh, Trump was probably that turning point when. Um, you know, the national media and other folks started to kind of validate the event as a, you know, hey, this is a legit event that we should pay attention to. So no, it's really cool to kind of hear the evolution of that and how it's, uh, how it's grown to what it is today and everything. So yeah, kudos to you for, (laughs) for putting that thing on for so long. Yeah, it's, 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 we have fun doing it, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a full-time job. I, I believe it. I believe it for sure. Um, before we wrap up, I'm just curious if there's, are there any, uh, 
you know, when you think back on just some of the deals that you've done over the years, um, are there any, any of them that stand out and maybe it just has to do with the location where, to, where it was at, or is there any property or anything like that that stands out to you that would be interesting to, interesting to share or anything over the years? You know, probably, probably the, the transaction that was a little bit of a turning point in my career, um, uh, was, a, a large transaction in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, we got asked to sell 6,000 acres, uh, uh, dry land wheat ground that, uh, ultimately was going to be redeveloped into wine grapes. And, um, the family, I met the family through our land expo and, and, uh, they asked me to, to come out and help market that property. I'd never been to Washington state. We didn't have a real estate license in Washington. And it was one of those too dumb to know better kind of moments. And, and so we took it on and just started, you know, marketing it to everybody that would talk to us and ran a national campaign and I was really successful sale and then we sold it for about 37 million which was um several million more than a lot of people in the region thought it would sell for and we really sold the vision of not what it was but what it could be and I think that really put us on the map uh, a lot of other folks started to uh, hire us to run deals for them nationally and um, after that transaction, we opened up our office in Walla Walla and, and, uh, I fell in love with that region. And that's really what kind of started that national expansion for us was that, was that transaction. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's probably, that was probably one of the more memorable ones. So you can say to people, you're, you're only one deal away. <laughs> you, you, that's a fact. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I guess with that said, just thanks again for joining me, uh, on the show. And for those of you listening in, if you're not yet subscribed to the show, whether you're uh, listening to this on on audio or you're listening to it on YouTube, I know we don't have video for this uh, this particular episode, but um, yeah, click the subscribe button. Join us for uh, future shows that we'll be having uh, come out, and uh, that's all we've got for this episode. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you.